I would have a job that I could do from anywhere in the world, and I would move every six months. I think this is the best advice I can get. I think this is the best advice on my list. I was raised to believe like you find a place to live. This is where you put down roots. I lived in California until I was, oh my gosh, 34 years old, 34 years of my life. I, I lived in, I did move from my hometown in Bakersfield to Los Angeles, but I lived in the same state for all of those years. And I love Cali and it's my home and I, I love going back there. But at the same time, there's like a seismic shift that happens inside of you and what you believe is possible when you move to a new city. I mean, frankly, if you're 55 and you've never moved, freaking A, let's go. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hey guys, it's Rach here, and what can I tell you about this day? Um, it's overcast and gloomy, but a thousand degrees outside, and you know, just like yesterday and the day before, I feel like Austin, Texas is getting June gloom in the middle of April, which I'm not really here for. I love a sunny day. I love a sunny day. I, it could be 20 degrees. That's not my preference. I like warm weather. But as long as it's sunny, I feel like everything's going to be okay. But when it's gloomy, you know, I don't need this because it's super hot. I don't need the flannel that I'm wearing. But the flannel has color, which makes me feel vibrant, which makes me feel happy. I'm trying to bring the sunshine. Let the sunshine. Oh, if only I could wave a magic wand and actually be able to sing well. Guys, today's podcast episode is a response to y'all. So we have a hotline. You've maybe heard me talk about it before. The number is 737-400-4626. You can call in, you can leave a message, you can tell me something great that's going on in your life. You can tell me your start today dream catcher story. The hotline's there for you. But my favorite thing that people use it for is to ask questions. And then those questions become part of podcast episodes if I feel like it's something that a lot of people maybe are wondering. And I've noticed a trend lately in that I'm getting a lot more questions from younger women. So women in their 20s, even some gals in high school, which makes me feel like, okay, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. And just like Amy Poehler in Mean Girls, I'm going to try too hard. Uh, no, not really. Actually, it did give me the idea. I was trying to think of you know, what would have been helpful to me 
when I was 24 or when I was 26. I don't know if you guys happened to see it on um, on Instagram. I just posted this little tiny clip, part of my ever evolving, really wanting to learn and challenge myself and write in different categories as I'm writing songs. And I'm writing songs as a hobby, not to like have a career, not to like have great achievement, but just because I love music and I'm a writer. And so I'm challenging myself to write lyrics. So I had this amazing opportunity. I got to go to Nashville. I've got like a lot of songwriting trips coming up to Nashville. I'm super excited about. And I got to go to Nashville. And one of my first in-person songwriting sessions was with these two gals. I mean, they're women, but they're in their 20s. So I'm going to call them gals. So I got to write with these two gals, their sisters, and they're in a band called Walker Country. And it was so cool because I had already written this podcast episode, like I had written the outline. And we were throwing ideas around about what we wanted to write about that day. And I was like, you know, I just wrote this episode, these bullet points for all of the things I wish, like if I was 20 again, or if I was 23, or if I was 25, like if I was in my 20s, this is what I would do. Or if I had a daughter in her 20s, this is what I would tell her. Or a sister in her 20s, this is what I would tell her. And it was so rad because we ended up writing a song about a girl in her 20s. And more on that soon. Uh, but it's so funny how many ways this kind of splintered out and became content, it became a song, it became a conversation I had with them, it became this podcast I'm creating for you, and all because of the hotline. So don't be scared. Call me, let me know. 737 trying to be like modern advice columnist. Like I want to tell you, well, I'll give you advice. You can take it or leave it, but I'm happy to give it. All right. So let's talk about it. My friends, my girls, my loves. Um, I made a list of, I basically called this if I were in my 20s. If I were in my 20s. You could also call this like things I wish I had known or things I wish I had done. But essentially, if I was in my 20s, this is the stuff that came to my mind. And if you're in your 20s, or frankly, if you're in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s, this, I hope, is still going to be relevant to you. But if you know someone that this podcast will be helpful for, send it along. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're listening to it, wherever you get your pods, just you know, do that little share thing and send it to someone who matters. So let's start off. If I was in my 20s, the first thing I wrote down on this list was I would be single. Okay, now that, depending on where you grew up, is probably a pretty controversial idea because I don't know anyone who is not in their 20s and looking for love. Like if they're single, they are looking, they're either in a partnership or they are looking for love. And I definitely was not raised to think that I should be in my 20s and be single. I was raised to be like, you better find a man and get married as fast as possible and then have babies. And I did. But I wrote this down because like, look, my only perspective is as someone who met my ex-husband when I was 18 years old, first date I went on, first time I kissed a man, like 
and I married him. Okay, so that gives you an idea of my wild backstory. But then I only have the perspective of someone who got married very young, had babies very young, and spent my 20s and the core of my 30s married. So I understand that I am telling you or giving you advice not having experienced five years of being single in my 20s. And you could roll your eyes and be like, screw you. You don't know what it feels like. And again, take what will be helpful here. But the reason that I would be single is because there will be a time, my friends, there will be a time where you are married. There will be a time where you are trying to figure out how to pay the electric bill. There will be a time where you have responsibility, where if the sink breaks, you're the one who has to figure out how to fix it. There will be a time where you're trying to like, oh, wait, we got to pay our taxes. Are we trying to do that ourselves? Are we asking our parents for advice? Are we going down to like the, like, how do we do any of this? There is going to be a time where you are so steeped in responsibility and you will never get back out again. That's not a bad thing. Having responsibilities is a privilege. It's a beautiful part of life. But there is this finite moment in time where you don't have the level of responsibility you will have. And so if I could wave a wand and I'm back in my 20s or I'm giving advice to you in your 20s, oh my word, embrace the single life. Embrace it. And I'm not saying like go make out with a thousand people. If that's your jam, I am the least judgmental person you are ever going to meet. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about be single so you can like go do all the things. I'm talking about be single so you can experience life on your terms, so you can figure out who you are, so you can travel, so you can read, so you can spend a whole day taking a nap or watching Netflix or going on a hike or volunteering in your local community center. Like, Go be single and enjoy it and embrace it because right now life is only up to you. Everyone is rushing so hard into being part of a partnership that they don't get that opportunity to figure out what they like, what they want. And as someone who knows what it's like to come out the other side of an 18-year relationship, I know what it's like to be 38 years old and have forgotten parts of yourself and not know what you like and not know what you dislike because everything was about the couple. So yeah, I'm not saying like break it off with your boo. I really wanted to give this advice because if you are single, I want you to love it. I know so many young women in their 20s who are so obsessed with finding their person that they are never getting to know the person that they are. So I'd be single. The second piece of advice I would give, and this goes right along with single life, is I would date casually. So I never really got to experience this in my life. But I will say that when I was single for the first time in my adult life on the other side of a divorce, I really, like at first I was like so freaked out by the idea of dating. I still am, to be honest. And so when I wanted to meet people again and sort of get back out into something, I accidentally, I think, did it in the most perfect way you can possibly do it, which was I did not set out to date. I did not set out to find a person. 
I just wanted to make friends. That was my intention. I was on an app called Raya, which is this like ridiculous but very effective for me dating app for people who have high profile jobs. So essentially the idea is like, you know, if I got on like Bumble or I don't even know the other ones and it was like, oh, here's this chick. I don't know if somebody wants to talk to me because they want to talk to me as a human or if they want to talk to me because they also want an Instagram following or they want to have a podcast or they want. So as a way to hopefully kind of like mitigate that, several different people had told me about this app where celebrities are on it or authors, podcasters, people who have high profile jobs. So hopefully they're not really that thrown off by your job because they also have a job. So my boo has a very high profile job. And so when we met, not only was he not freaked out by what I do, he also had such a beautiful perspective of it because he's dealing with a world like this all the time anyway. So he's not thrown off. I mean, you know, I have a lot of y'all are so sweet and so many people come up to me and airports and we went on a date last night and like four different people throughout the night came up and was like, ah, Rachel. I love you guys and I love your energy. But that could be very off-putting for someone. And I think the reason it all worked so well is because I wasn't trying to find love. I wasn't trying to find a relationship. I literally was like, I just want guy friends. And part of that is, a huge part of that is I am, I tend to gravitate more towards masculine energy. Like if you look at my girlfriends, all of us, have a bit more masculine than feminine energy. And so I already knew, like, I'm, I am the chick that, like, I like hanging out with dudes. I'm like, let's drink some scotch. Let's go to a driving range. It's funny because my job is for women and I'm so passionate about women, but I'm not necessarily feminine energy. And I probably should do a whole podcast on the difference between masculine and feminine energy. It's not about it's not really about gender and it's not really about um, who you're attracted to. It's just sort of what's the energy that you bring. And I think if you're like me and you know that you're attracted to one kind of energy in a person, then you pursue friendships in that way. And I think this even works if you're like, oh, I'm a girl's girl. Like I love feminine energy. Well, even in that, if your pursuit was, yeah, I want a boyfriend because I'm attracted to men, but my goal is going to be to make new friends and experience new things. I feel like that's going to lead you to your person because, yeah, I I hope I'm explaining this well because I think I told this once to one of the young women on my staff and then she was like, good idea. And she started to pursue friendships hoping that the friend would be the one to introduce her to her future husband. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying date casually, having the intention that the universe is going to send you amazing new friends that open your worldview, that change your experience, that give you new places to try, new things to go, new concepts to consider. And in that process, you're exposed to more. And in that process, I think you find yourself. And in that process, I think it's possible to find your partner because you're not looking. So the next thing I would do if I was in my 20s is I would 100% have a job 
that I could do from anywhere in the world. Let me say it one more time. I would have a job that I could do from anywhere in the world, and I would move every six months. I think this is the best advice I can get. I think this is the best advice on my list. I was raised to believe like you find a place to live. This is where you put down roots. I lived in California until I was, oh my gosh, 34 years old, 34 years of my life. I, I lived in, I did move from my hometown in Bakersfield to Los Angeles, but I lived in the same state for all of those years. And I love Cali and it's my home and I, I love going back there. But at the same time, there's like a seismic shift that happens inside of you and what you believe is possible when you move to a new city. I mean, frankly, if you're 55 and you've never moved, freaking A, let's go. Some people have put down such incredible roots that it would throw them off to move outside of that space. But honestly, I feel like it's one of the best things that you can do. It's good to be uncomfortable. It's good to push yourself outside of your boundaries. It's good to figure out where your favorite new coffee shop is, where you're going to go on date night, what's the grocery store that you love. It's good to figure it out. You get so set in a certain way of thinking. You think everything is like the life that you live inside of for good or bad, right? So like perhaps you're living life way lower than you're able to, like maybe you're vibrationally, like everything around you, the vibe, the energy, the people suck, right? Maybe your hometown sucks. Sometimes it does. Or maybe your circle sucks. Like maybe you need to shake things up, but you don't even know that there's another way to be because you haven't experienced it before. I love when people get, it's like why I love Rise Conference or when people come from another state and they like go to a city and yes, it's scary. And they're sort of like, oh my gosh, I got to get on an airplane. I haven't done that before. Or I've got to get a hotel room or I've got to, what's a conference? Like, I don't even know what that is. Like there's all this stuff that happens. But one of the most beautiful things is that it changes your worldview and your perspective. I always think that a better evolution of ourselves is out there. And one of the most amazing ways is to experience a new city. If I was in my 20s, I let me even let me say this a different way. This is important. Let me say this differently. If my kids weren't in school, I would do this. In fact, make no mistake, my daughter is five. I've got 13 years maybe less if all of a sudden she decides that, you know, when she's older, she wants to go to a private school and they let us travel. I don't know. But I am telling you right now, the second that my kids are done with school, I will not live in one place permanently. I will have a home, but I will live in the world. I will live out in the world. I'll go live in Paris for six months and I'll learn French. I'll go live in Spain. I'll go live in, you know, Ohio. I don't know. But I do know for a fact that the most profound life changes I have experienced has been because I've changed location. So if I didn't have to be like nailed down to a certain location because my kids are in school, I wouldn't be. Oh my gosh. I would have a job I could do from anywhere. Something you can do on the computer, graphic design, you know, marketing. Like there's so many, I mean, a million jobs you can do from anywhere, especially now post COVID. Oh my gosh, I would do that in a second. It's also, you know, can I just say for those of you who are in college and you're debating and you're trying to figure out your major and all of that jazz, 
it's worth thinking, do I want to have, like, am I on a career path that puts me on a job that I have to be in one location? Let's say you're like on a career path to be a teacher and the idea of education is really inspiring to you, but maybe you've never considered that by following, you know, becoming an elementary school teacher, you will be in one spot unless you set out and you say, I don't even know if this is a thing for teachers, but like, unless in advance, you're like, you know what, I'm going to do a year in this school and then I'm going to go teach English as a second language in Japan. And then I'm going to go do this. And then I'm going to go do that. If you don't set the intention for wanting to make change and wanting to have a life that looks differently, you will unknowingly find yourself in a repetitive cycle that just looks like everybody else's life. So I would definitely do that. The next thing I wrote down that I would do is I would be obsessed, obsessed from the earliest age possible. I This one's for all of you. I don't care how old you are. This is for every single person here. If I could wave a wand and give you anything or give me at 20 anything, or I am hopefully giving my daughter this, I would be obsessed with learning to love myself and learning to love my body. Don't roll your eyes. Don't, you know, skip past this because you know, we are not born hating our bodies. We are not born disliking any part of our bodies. I think it's Louise Hay who in one of her original books writes this idea that like a baby comes out, a baby loves every part of itself. It loves its rolls. It loves its chubby thighs. It will literally play with its own poop. That is how much a baby loves itself. We are taught to dislike ourselves. We are taught to hate our bodies. We are taught to think that something is wrong with us. We are taught by society. Sometimes, unfortunately, we're taught by our family of origin. We're taught by friends. We're taught by magazines or media. We are taught that. We do not come, un- we do not come into this world believing that we are wrong. So I would be obsessed. I'm on a journey now at 39 years old, and I have been for years. And I will tell you, in the beginning, it was slow going, and the the wheels start turning, and it gets faster and faster, and I'm getting better and better at loving myself. But I would be obsessed. If I was in my 20s, it would be my greatest mission. Everything, screw the relationship, screw what's going on with my career, all of that stuff can go away because if you don't love, like obsessively love yourself, like think you're beautiful inside and out. And I know, I know that that is hard because you have to erase years of programming that tell you this is wrong and that's wrong, but it is possible. It absolutely is possible. So I would be obsessed with that. I'd read books on it. I'd listen to podcasts. I'd watch YouTube videos. I would make sure that I was hanging out with friends who have really positive self-image, who love their bodies, who are celebratory, who have really healthy relationships with food. Like I would try and seek those people out. I know you can't snap your fingers and all of a sudden your life is looks like what you want it to look like, but you can be intentional about seeking it out. I would be obsessed with loving myself because how girls, boys, people, how many years have you already wasted? If we could total up the amount of time that you have spent disliking yourself, disliking your body, 
punishing yourself for the food you ate, overthinking it, wishing you had six-pack abs, wishing your butt was flatter, wishing your butt was juicier, wishing you didn't have cellulite or stretch marks. How much effing time have you wasted? Wasted. It didn't come to anything. It didn't help you, didn't make you better, didn't make you thinner, didn't make you more loved. The answer is actually the opposite of what you think. You cannot shame yourself into a better version of you. You can't. If you could, it would have already worked by now. You can love yourself. You can make choices from a place of love. And it starts, oof, it takes all your effort to go even this much, even the smallest inch. But it grows. It's a practice like anything else. The next thing I'd do if I was in my 20s is I would take a deep dive into spirituality. And I'm not, spirituality and religion are two different things in this instance for me. Many of us grow up with some sort of religious background. And I guess how I think of this is religion is something that is created, practiced, carried out by humans. Okay, bear with me for a second. Humans are invariably fallible. We make mistakes. We are imperfect. So oftentimes in religious institutions, we have human beings who are fallible trying to carry out doctrines, dogmas, rules that are kind of idealized perfection. And there's absolutely no way that a fallible human being can carry out a perfect list of rules. And there's incredible power in religion, and religion has helped so many people and gives you guidelines and and grounding and, and all of that. I'm not, you do you, right? But where I think the difference is, is for me, spirituality is the relationship that you have with your creator. Spirituality is the relationship you have with the divine. It's the relationship you have with God or the universe or source or whatever you believe in. But it is not something that goes through someone else. So in the Christian faith, how I was raised, you got your wisdom from a pastor who stood on stage and told you what to do and be and think and have and all of it. And in the Catholic tradition, even to confess a sin, you actually have to go to a priest and say, here's all the ways that I suck. And the priest is like, okay, so say this many Hail Marys and do these three things. And then you're, so you're, you're accessing your creator through another human. And I don't like that. I think, you know, when you read about Jesus, if that's your thing, or when you read about Muhammad, or when you read about the Buddha, when you learn those stories, there's wisdom and information and lessons in all of it. But spirituality to me is what is your relationship with your creator? And I really experienced this for the first time. If you guys read Girl, Wash Your Face, I talked about this in chapter 19. It's actually why I have uh, a tattoo on my wrist that says chapter 19. In chapter 19 of Girl, Wash Your Face, 
I told the story of my two best girlfriends, Sammy and Beans, who were on staff at our church. That's how we met. We all went to the same church. And they were on staff at the church and were best friends and realized they were in love with each other and kept that very quiet and kept that in the closet and kept that in the dark for a very long time. And when they finally had the courage to admit that truth, I watched this beloved church where I had learned and took my children and worshiped and all of it for years absolutely be the worst parts of humans, not even the worst parts of Christians, but the worst parts of humans. And I was just astounded. It was like one thing after another. And I wrote about this in in chapter 19 of the book. And that experience made me really start to question everything. And it wasn't the first time that I had questioned the church because I had grown up in the church. (laughs) If you grew up in the church, you've experienced scandal. You have. Like, if you haven't, then you're not paying attention. It's that same thing. Humans are fallible. And so I had experienced, you know, pastors who had told us to live one way, and it would come out that they had been doing something very different. And in this instance, with my best friends, I was watching them be treated so terribly by people who had for years said that they loved them and for years say that they were accepting of everybody and, you know, ye who is like just all of it. It was, it was gross. And I had this like big shakeup in my life where I remember thinking, well, now I know, even though they're not publicly and this church still hasn't publicly, still a very big church in LA. And they still haven't ever publicly, to my knowledge, come out and said basically, like, you know, people who are gay are second-class citizens, which is very much how they treated two people I love the most. But behind the scenes, that absolutely was what was going on. And I remembered holding this knowledge and, like, going back to church on Sunday and seeing the head pastor on stage preaching and knowing what he was doing behind the scenes. And I just couldn't stomach it. I couldn't, I was like, I can't ever come here again because it was such a disconnect to say God is love and then treat people with such hate. And I remembered thinking at the time, I was like, what if one of my kids is gay? What if someday my kid comes to me and says that they're gay and I knowingly have brought them to this church for years, knowing that they would also be shunned if they came out. And I was like, this is warped and this is fucked and I can't be here. And the honest truth is I, I, for a minute, and this happens sometimes, for a minute, my anger with the church became my anger with God. And it took me, I don't know, a year or more to unravel that and to understand that God, my creator, and in fact, you'll hear me, if you notice, you'll hear me on this show talk about my relationship with God, but I don't really talk about religion for this reason. I think it can be so beautiful 
and it is the faith tradition that I was born inside of and that grew I grew up with and that has been incredible in my life. But the reason I say to, to unpack spirituality is because that is a relationship between you and your creator. And that's what I found on the other side of that experience was my relationship with God has never been stronger. My faith has never been stronger. My faith has never been bigger. But it is not dependent on a human to be the in-between. And I had no idea that when I started to learn more about spirituality and I didn't attach a church to it, that my worldview would expand in such a way that I would learn about other religions, that I would learn about other ways of thinking, that I would um, uh, learn about meditation and all of these things that I've gained in the last couple of years that I never would have experienced because I was told growing up that anything that wasn't inside of our church was wrong. And I'm not saying you might have the most like open-minded, beautiful church family. I'm freaking here for that. Love that for you. That's not, this is not talking about not being involved with the church. But if I could go back in time, I wish I would have understood sooner to develop my relationship with the divine on my own, to take that as a course of study and to really want to go deeper and understand what it all means. And to me, it means something so much bigger than I understood when it was inside the parameters of one religion. The next thing that I wrote down, if I could go back in my 20s, is, okay, now we're going to, we went very deep and now we're going to go right back up to the top with something frivolous. I would invest in great pieces of clothing and really good tailoring. I would invest in great pieces of clothing and really good tailoring. And I want to say this because I feel like one of the trends of the last 10, 15 years is fast fashion, is I'm going to go buy something that is popular for this season and or maybe even this month or this date night, and I'm never going to wear it again. It's like a one-time only thing. And what I know is that the stuff that I love the most is the stuff that I've had the longest. And when it's really good quality, which is going to be way more expensive than going to Zara, right? Versus going and like buying some jeans at Zara versus going and buying some jeans from Levi's are two completely different price points. And they're different price points because the Levi's will literally last you forever versus that cheap thing that you bought from a fast fashion empire is not going to last you. And not only that, guys, just to take a quick deep dive on why this matters even more beyond just your wardrobe's going to be better. And if you invest in tailoring, you're going to look better inside of it. This also matters deeply because, number one, the fashion industry is the biggest employer of women globally. It is. And fast fashion is the worst possible job situation in terms of women being paid a fair living wage throughout the world. Look it up. So anytime that you are buying those pieces, you are investing in companies that are not always going to be the places that take care of their labor force. 
And yes, as a woman, you should care. But as a human being, you should care that if you are buying a shirt for $8, there is no way that with production, costs of those goods, all of it, there's no way that the person who made that was paid a fair living wage. It's not possible. So you, when you make that purchase, you are investing in something that is hurtful to other human beings. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, beyond fast fashion being this thing that is not great for its workers, it's also fashion is huge, huge, hugely impactful on the environment. The water that it takes, the resources that it, it would shock you to look up the numbers. So you've made me heard me talk about the fact that I don't buy new clothing. So this started last summer, I think last August, my boyfriend and I decided that we would no longer buy new clothes. So we had read all of these studies about the labor force and we'd read all these studies about the impact of fashion on the environment. And we both kept talking about it. We're just like grossed out, but we kept, you know, doing it, not buying fast fashion, but we're still buying new clothes. And just one day I was like, okay, well, we have to sort of put our actions where our heart is. If our heart feels like this is wrong, but our actions don't match it, there's, you know, cognitive dissonance between what we're saying is like terrible and what we're actually doing. So we made the decision we don't buy new clothes. So we only buy things that are vintage or previously owned if we buy new clothes at all. And I'm not going to lie, I miss shopping. I was just in Nashville and it was a really cute store. I just was walking by. I didn't even go inside. But I was like, oh, that sweater is so cute, oh, you know. And it's hard. It's way harder because it's hard if you're buying vintage. Like, it's hard to find your size and it's hard. But honestly, I feel really good about the choices that I'm making. And I hope – I mean, you guys have heard me talk about it ad nauseum. But I'm really hoping that maybe, maybe by me making this choice, I've influenced you a little bit. And you've just started to think about the impact of your clothing on the world. So I would invest in great clothing pieces that would last me for a really long time. And I would invest in tailoring. You know, I grew up sort of going like, okay, I'm a size eight or I'm a size 10 and trying to find clothes that fit my size. And then if I had, if I was bigger than the size I thought I was, I would feel depressed and I would either buy clothes in a size that didn't fit me, or I would not buy clothes at all because I would be depressed about not being the right size. It was all so stupid. But size of your clothes does not matter. Fit matters. And in fact, most of the time, if you want something to fit beautifully with tailoring, you actually buy a bigger size and have it tailored to fit your body, which is like when you see celebrities and you're like, good God, they look amazing, amazing in that outfit. It's because it's been tailored to their body. So rather than buying 10 shirts that are $10, I would buy one great piece that I'm going to have for a very long time and have it tailored to fit. The next thing I would say, 100%, that I would have learned so much earlier, y'all, girls, menstruators, listen to me. I would have learned about my cycle. I would. I, you, I have done so many episodes on this now. You can start with episode 220 with Kristen Ciccolini. I just did another episode with her really recently about cycles, hormones, intuitive eating, eating for your cycle, learning which supplements can help you, what different stressors affect 
your period, like if you're having cramps, if you're having heavy flow, like they call for women, they call the period the fifth vital sign. What is happening with your cycle is symptomatic of what is happening with your overall health. I never knew that. I never knew that if I experienced a month where I was having horrible cramps, it was likely because my stress was way out of whack. I thought, oh, well, you know, curse of Eve or whatever. And like, we're just supposed to have really bad periods and we're supposed, no, you're not supposed to. If things are going wonky with your cycle, it is a sign that something's off. And if you know that you can make change, you can do things to make yourself feel better. I will teach my daughter. I'm already talking to her about this is what's happening. I'm, I'm bleeding here. I'm normalizing it. I'm making it so okay. You need that too. Even if you're listening to this, you're 60 years old. If you don't understand what's going on with your hormones, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. It matters. If you are a menstruator, because not all bleeders are women, right? Um, And not all women bleed. But if you are, it is vitally important that you understand how to work with your cycle. There are certain times in the month that you are going to be more creative. There's certain times of the month you're going to have more energy. There's certain times of the month that you need to be more introspective. Your body is actually signaling to you the energy level for all of the things that you want to do. And if you understand your cycle, you can plan out your life according to those ebbs and flows. But if you don't understand your cycle, you have no idea what kind of emotions about to show up today. And then when it shows up incorrectly, you freak out, you're mad at yourself, you're like, ah, you blame your cycle when really your body is doing exactly what it's meant to do. So if I could go back in time in my 20s when I was learning to love my body, one of the things I would learn to love is my period, is my hormones, because that is your body doing what it's supposed to do. If it feels painful, something's wrong. And if you understand that, you can make change. The last thing that I would say if I could go back in my 20s, if I could do this in my 20s, I'm pretty sure I would be like Elon Musk by now. I don't want to be Elon Musk, but I just mean like I would have invented a rocket ship or something. I didn't understand manifesting. I didn't understand the law of attraction. I didn't understand vibrations. I didn't understand any of that when I was younger. I was doing it, but I didn't know what I was doing. And because I didn't know what I was doing, I couldn't tap back in. So for me, I feel like if you could learn that now, and if you if you want to learn more, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can probably scroll and find it. But on podcast episode 222 is manifesting for beginners, or I just did an episode about how to grow your intuition. Either one of those are really great places to start. If you're like, how do you do that? What's everyone talking about on TikTok? Like, what is this thing about law of attraction or manifesting or whatever? You're doing it for good and for bad. And the thing is, most humans are doing it negatively and they don't realize it. So I wish I had to understand that sooner. That's a part of the spiritual journey and understanding sort of what you're putting out in the world. But I also think it's the power of, if you know our Start Today community here, Start Today community are mostly women, but people all over the world who use their Start Today journal every single day They're writing down gratitude, which gets them into vibrational alignment with, I'm going to get real hippie on you, but gets them into vibrational alignment on 
feeling good, feeling blessings, feeling abundance. And then they write down, what are 10 dreams I'm going to make come true? And we hear the stories over and over and over again. If you watch Rach Talk, you see the videos people send send in. I was just in Nashville. The elevator doors opened up. I was about to get in. A woman screamed and started crying and jumped off the elevator. We didn't even even get to go up. Her name's Erin. I remember. So if Erin's listening to this, it's you, girl. Jumps off the elevator. She starts crying. She's like, you don't understand. Like here's, I went to Rise Conference in Dallas and then I started using the journal and the power of just writing down your goals. And she's telling me everything that she's achieved. It's not magic. I love my Start Today journal. And if you've listened to the ad here on podcast, go get yours, get the special discount that we give just for podcast listeners. I love it. But you could do that in any journal. I lo- thank you for using your start today and people love it because it's a keepsake and they have a stack of all their achievements in our journals, but you could do it in anything. It's the power of gratitude and writing it down, gratitude and writing it down. Why? Because you're getting your energy to a certain place and then you're focusing your energy on where you want to go. That's something I didn't understand when I was in my 20s. And if I had, I would have gotten a 15-year jump start on where I am now. So if you're in your 20s, I hope that some of these things are helpful to you. I hope that you'll send it to someone you think it might benefit or freaking A, maybe there's something in it you're like, my mom's 62 she needs to hear this. Whatever it is, these are the things I wish I had known or maybe would do again if I was in my 20s and I hope that they're helpful to you. Guys, I really consider it a huge honor to get to hang out with you every week and talk to you about what's going on and share my life. I hope it encourages you to do the same. I'm going to keep saying this. The world doesn't need any more followers, right? I don't need any more followers. I don't need any more fans. I need you to realize the leader that you are, whether you're 16 years old or 72 or 39. The world needs you to realize the impact that you have on the people around you and to step up and become the leader you're meant to be. But we lead ourselves first. If you can master leading yourself first, you can help to influence those around you. So that's what I'm here to do. And I hope that's what you're here to do too. Thank you again for hanging out with me. If you want to check out those other episodes I mentioned, you can go scroll back and listen to them now. Or Uh, You can make sure that you subscribe to my channel wherever you're getting this podcast, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening to it on your audio. Please subscribe. It's really helpful to host when you do that. Share it with someone you think it'll be helpful for. Share on social. That would be amazing. I'd really appreciate it. But until I see you next time, guys, I want you to remember that I love you and I am rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.